Turning again this morning to 1 Kings and chapter 6. And the description of the temple that Solomon built. We read from verse 21. So Solomon overlaid the house within with pure gold and he made a partition by the chains of gold before the oracle. And he overlaid it with gold and the whole house he overlaid with gold until he had finished all the house. Also the whole altar that was by the oracle he overlaid with gold. And within the oracle he made two cherubims of olive tree, each ten cubits high. And five cubits was the one wing of the cherub, and five cubits the other wing of the cherub. From the uttermost part of the one wing unto the uttermost part of the other were ten cubits. And the other cherub was ten cubits. Both the cherubims were of one measure and one size. The height of the one cherub was ten cubits, and so was it of the other cherub. And he set the cherubims within the inner house, and they stretched forth the wings of the cherubims, so that the wing of the one touched the one wall, and the wing of the other cherub touched the other wall, and their wings touched one another in the midst of the house. And he overlaid the cherubims with gold, and he carved all the walls of the house round about with carved figures of cherubims, and palm trees and open flowers, within and without. And the floor of the house he overlaid with gold, within and without. He carved all the walls of the house round about with carved figures of cherubims and palm trees and open flowers within and without. And the floor of the house he overlaid with gold, within and without. This house that Solomon built was a wonder. It shone. It was overlaid with gold within and without. The entirety of it and the walls were carved with cherubims, palm trees and open flowers. Why did he build it with cherubims, palm trees and open flowers? Well, of course, as we saw before, the cherubims are a reminder of those two cherubims, the angels that God set guarding the way back into Eden and to the tree of life. When Adam, when mankind fell in Adam into sin, when Adam disobeyed the command of God and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when sin entered into man as a consequence and death by sin, and God cast man and his wife out of the garden, he guarded the way to the garden, he guarded the way to the tree of life with these two cherubims and the sword of justice, that flaming sword that guarded the way. But the cherubims are a reminder of the paradise of Eden, which was lost unto man, out of which Adam was thrown. And these depictions of the cherubims and the palm trees and the open flowers that Solomon set in the temple 
and overlaid with gold are a picture of that paradise, a picture of Eden, a picture of the paradise of God. The garden, the glorious dwelling place that Adam once had with his God, which was lost. But there are an even greater picture of that paradise to come. They depict the way unto salvation. This paradise of Eden is that which was lost in the fall. But Christ came to make a way of salvation, to bring his people into a new heaven and a new earth, of which Eden was but a picture. And these palm trees, these open flowers, and the cherubims that guard the way, are all a reminder, both of Eden which was lost, and of the salvation which God has wrought for his people in Jesus Christ. The temple that Solomon built was a picture of salvation, the way to salvation, the way into the presence of God, into the house of God, where man could dwell with his maker. They depict the glory and the paradise of dwelling with God. This is what the temple pictures, the way to salvation. This is where God dwells. And to enter into where God dwells, there's an entrance, there's a way. The high priest would take the sacrifice, he would slay it upon the altar, and he would take the blood and go into the Holy of Holies, which only he could enter into, and sprinkle that blood upon the mercy seat. And when the people knew that he had gone in, and the blood was sprinkled, they rejoiced. For that blood was sprinkled to take away their sin, to propitiate the wrath of God against their sin. All of this was done in practice in the temple that Solomon built and in the tabernacle preceded as a picture of what Christ would do once for his people forever in offering up himself once, in shedding his blood once in sprinkling it upon the mercy seat once, in taking away the sins of his people once and for all, never to be repeated. It's all a picture of that glory which he leads them into. He brings them into the presence of God. He brings them into a paradise, a paradise with his God, from which they can never be removed, from which they will never be cast out. A paradise depicted in Eden and depicted in the temple with palm trees and flowers and a glory presented by the gold with which it was overlaid, within and without. Solomon carved all the walls of the house round about with carved figures of cherubims and palm trees and open flowers within and without. And the floor of the house he overlaid with gold within and without. 
Inside and outside it was completely covered in gold, overlaid in gold. It was pure, it was wondrous. What a paradise, what a glory it depicted. Christ spake of paradise to come when he suffered upon the cross. When our great high priest, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, was nailed to the tree as he suffered, as he died. When his blood would be shed, he turned to that thief at his side. Who cried out unto him with faith having been shown that this was his saviour who was crucified in the midst. Those two thieves on either side who were railing at Christ, who were deriding him, the one changed, seeing who Christ was, that he suffered innocently. And Christ said unto him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Because here Christ as the high priest and as the sacrifice was there in that sinner's place offering himself and then taking that blood into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle it on his behalf in order to lead that sinner and every sinner like him. Believer, you're the same. You were as that thief hanging upon the cross, railing upon Christ, despising him, rejecting him, until the day that his gospel entered into your soul, until the day that the Spirit of God made you see him for who he is. This man's innocent. We deserve to die, but he doesn't. He's the Saviour. When the Spirit of God has given you faith to see him for who he is, then you, like that thief, see your Saviour entering into the Holy of Holies, entering in, as it were, into the midst of the temple and sprinkling his blood for you to wash you clean in order that he might say unto you, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That day, that thief, that wretched sinner, that guilty sinner entered into glory and entered into a place depicted by this temple with cherubims and palm trees and open flowers within and without. A place the floor of which was overlaid with gold within and without. He was led to salvation led into the city above, New Jerusalem, covered in gold, led to the tree of life, which that flaming sword of God's justice barred the way. Those cherubims barred the way, but now the Saviour has been slain. Now that sword has been brought down upon the Saviour. Now the way into salvation has been opened. And that day that thief entered in, on blood-sprinkled ground as it were, into those new heavens and new earth 
where he saw his Saviour risen, glorified, victorious. Yes, this is why we read of palm trees and open flowers. A reminder of that paradise which was once, from which man fell. And a reminder of that paradise into which man would once more enter. As Christ prepared to die, as Christ prepared to go to Jerusalem, where he would be crucified, where he would be slain, he entered Jerusalem, riding into Jerusalem upon that ass. And as he came, the people cast down palm trees. They cast down palms in his way. We read in John chapter 12, On the next day, much people that would come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things under him. The people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. He entered into, into Jerusalem and they cast down palm trees. Because here was the Saviour coming for his people. The one who would lead his people back into paradise. Into a greater paradise, an eternal paradise. A greater paradise than Eden ever was. But pictured by Eden of old. And pictured in that temple of old. In Revelation and chapter 7, we read of that time to come. After this I beheld and lo a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. As Christ, approaching his death, was greeted by those with palms. And in glory to come, having died, having risen again, having been seated upon his throne victorious, the Lamb of God will see his people gathered around him, a great multitude for whom he suffered, a multitude called out from 
the four corners of this earth, all wretched sinners like that thief upon the tree, all lost in the darkness, all rebels like you and I, without a care for him, hating God, despising him, rejecting him. We were amongst that crowd that cried out in rejection of him, crucify him, crucify him. We were like that thief upon the cross who mocked and jeered and cast accusations in Christ's face as he suffered there next to us. There we were in our sin and there he was in his innocence bearing the sins of his people and we rejected him and despised him until that hour when God in the gospel spake unto us and said live and then with the thief we saw him for who he is and Christ would turn and say today thou shalt be with me in paradise and every one whom he has said that unto in his gospel, in power, every one that the Spirit of God has come unto, in their lost estate of sin, every sinner far off that God comes unto in the gospel and says unto, Today thou wilt be with me in paradise. There is coming that day when the Lamb of God will see them gathered when a great multitude, which no man can number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, shall stand before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and who will cry with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Are you among them? Is that you? Have you as that thief heard the voice of Jesus Christ? Or are you like the other? Heading to the grave in darkness and shame and hatred and rejection? Well there between these two thieves hung one a priest, a sacrifice, a saviour, a king, God as man in Jesus Christ. There hung one who was the way unto salvation. There hung one of whom Solomon's temple was a picture. Here in the midst of those two sinners was the glory of God himself. As it were covered in gold within and without, perfect and glorious, holy in all that he was, not a spot of blemish in him. There was the temple of God, the way unto salvation. There in the midst of them was the tree of life. And the one was given ears to hear and the other went to his grave in darkness. Christ led the one to a city above Jerusalem which is paved in gold. We read from Revelation 
21 earlier of this city. The building of the wall of it was of jasper and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honour into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honour of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, what a city this is. Christ himself is the glory of it. There's no sun, there's no moon, there's no need for these things. It's eternal day there. He is the glory of it. He is the temple. He is that which is covered with gold within and without. And there is none that can enter into that place who have any sin upon them. No murderers, no liars, no whoremongers, none that defile Only the righteous, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then who can enter in? For who is there upon the face of this earth who has not lied? Who is there who would not defile such a place? Who is there who is without sin? When you look within, when you look into the secret place of your heart, no matter how well you may keep the outer side, no matter how good an appearance you may put before others, no matter how gold-like you may appear on the outside, what is it like within? Are you covered, as it were, with gold, within and without? Is there righteousness within your heart and without? Truly we must say, as the scriptures tell us, there is none righteous, no, not one. The reality is not only are we sinners without, but sin rages within our hearts. Then there's no way in to such a place. There's no way in. Then how could Christ say unto that thief, that wretched sinner, just like the, like the other on the other side, how could he say unto him, today thou shalt be with me in paradise? 
He could only enter in if his name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He could only enter in if he could not if he would not defile that glorious place into which he would enter. He could only enter in if he was perfectly righteous from head to toe, within and without. And yet there are none who are righteous. No, not one. Then he must be made righteous. He must be made righteous. You must be made righteous. I must be made righteous. Within and without, we must be pure. We must be like pure gold. Like the temple. Like Christ. And there's only one way that wretched, defiled sinners can be made righteous, and that's if another takes their sin. Every last sin, every last drop, Every last thought and deed, indeed sin itself, that which we are, he must take it and suffer for it and take it away and blot it out. And he must wash us and cleanse us inside and out and make us to be perfect. And that's what Christ came to do. That thief, entered paradise. Not because he had done one good thing, he never lived to. He'd been a sinner until the day that he hung upon that cross beside Christ the Saviour. He never had a chance to live right. He was utterly defiled. And it's only because there was one beside him that took every sin, all his sin that took himself his very being, what he was, and suffered for it, and took it away and cleansed him. Christ washed him in his blood. He washed him from head to toe. He washed him inside and out. He made him in Christ to be pure gold, to be righteous from head to toe. And cleansing him thoroughly inside and out, Christ could truly say unto him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Oh, has the Saviour come unto you and done the same for you? Are you like that wretched thief? Do you know the wretchedness of your sin? Do you know your unbelief? Do you know your apathy? Do you know your hatred of God by nature? Do you see it? Do you feel it? Do you see the wondrousness of God's salvation in Christ? That he took all the sins of his people. All that they are and blotted it out. Did he do that for you? Did he take all of your sins? Every last thought, every last deed. Were you nailed to that cross in Christ? Were you crucified? Like Paul was, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Everything that Paul had done kept him out 
of the kingdom of God. Every thought, every action, all that Paul was kept him out of the kingdom of God. And yet he was crucified with Christ and rose again. And in Christ he was perfect. In Christ he was pure, righteous, holy, within and without, just like this thief. And in Christ, Christ could say unto Saul unto Paul, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. As he said it unto you. Because to enter into this paradise, depicted by this temple, with its cherubims and palm trees and open flowers within and without, covered in gold within and without, to enter into this paradise, we need to be pure holy, righteous, as pure gold within and without. That's what the gold depicted. It shone. It showed forth God's glory. It showed forth his honour, his holiness, his righteousness. And it was overlaid in this temple within and without. It was total. Everywhere you looked, there was the glory of God set forth. By this gold everywhere. There wasn't one bit that was not covered. For if we were to enter into glory and we covered ourselves, as it were, with our righteousness, if we did our most zealous efforts, if we worked with our most zealous deeds, to make ourselves righteous if we try to cover ourselves with gold. And yet there was that within. That sin within, hidden from view to others, but still there. If there was one spot, one blemish, we'd be condemned, we'd be guilty. God would never let us enter into his kingdom. We'd defile it. We need gold within and without. We need righteousness within and without. The Pharisees made great efforts under the law of God to be righteous. They made great efforts to clean the outside. But as Christ said unto them, the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. You're full of sin within. We can read that and we can acknowledge that. And yet so few know it. So few know it because it's so easy in religion to look upon the outside. It's so easy to be so zealous about how we live and how we should do this and do that. It's so easy to look upon others on the outside and wag the finger and judge and consider whether they are walking as they should. Everything's outward with us. And we hide that which is within. We hide it from others. We try to hide it from God himself. We hide it from ourselves. 
And yet the Spirit of God speaks within. He speaks within the heart. And he makes us see what we are by nature. That it won't do to be covered with gold on the outside. We need it within and without. We need Christ's blood to wash us inside and out. We need righteousness within and without. Within and without. We need the blood of that one that hung in the midst of those two thieves. We need his blood to cover us thoroughly from our sins, to purge every one of them, to cleanse us, to justify us. We need to be washed within and without. That blood which was shed when the flaming sword of justice, that two-edged sword that turns every which way, when that sword of justice that was between the cherubims was brought down from on high upon the sacrifice, upon the Son of God, and slew him and shed his blood, that blood, and no other blood, that blood, that sacrifice, that Saviour, his righteousness must be applied. God must come in his gospel and take that blood and wash us within and without. It's a thorough work. There's no half measures. The transformation must be total. And we must know it. Oh, how glorious Solomon's temple was. Oh, how glorious the golden cherubims, palm trees, open flowers, the paradise depicted. How glorious it was. How righteous. How holy. That's how holy we must be to enter into this paradise. That is why when God moved Noah to make an ark, another picture of Christ, another depiction of his salvation in delivering his people from the wickedness of this world, in bringing his people through from the old world of sin and death and darkness into a new world of righteousness, when God moved Noah to build an ark for the saving of his house and put Noah and his family, those eight people, Noah and seven others within that ark and brought them through that great storm and poured out his wrath and justice upon this world, destroying everything and everyone that was outside the ark and then brought them through the other side of the storm unto salvation. This is why when God instructed Noah to make that ark, that he told him to pitch it with pitch, within and without. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. 
and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch, with blood, with righteousness, with gold. It must be inside and outside. Likewise, that ark of salvation that delivered Noah is pictured again in that ark of the covenant that was in the Holy of Holies that depicted that place where Christ's blood was sprinkled upon the mercy seat between the cherubims. In Exodus 25 we read of the making of that ark. They shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. Time and again, God reiterates through his scriptures, in his gospel, throughout time into eternity, that to enter into his glory, there must be righteousness, holiness, perfection, within and without. And not one man not one woman upon the face of this earth can begin to touch upon such perfection. We're all sinners. We're all lost. We're all wicked. Except God takes us and puts us in an ark like Noah was and brings us through the storms of his wrath safely the other side. Except he comes unto us as we hang, as it were, upon a cross like that thief, about to plunge into eternity. As we hang suspended between heaven and earth, all that we have to our credit being our sin, our filthiness, our iniquity, our rejection of God, our blindness and darkness as we hang on the face of eternity, all that we have as a hope is that Christ should turn unto us in love and mercy and say, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, washing us in his blood, within and without. Noah's Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, like the temple and like the kingdom to come, holy within and without, pitched within and without, covered with gold within and without, covered in the blood of Christ within and without. Where are you? Where are you? If you knew the reality of where you are, you are just where that thief was on that day. No matter how young or old we may be, we are dying in our sin. 
And we are, as it were, hanging upon a cross, justly condemned as thieves before God. This is where you are today. This is where I am by nature. We're hanging, condemned, on the brink of eternity. We have no hope in ourselves. But if we hang beside a Saviour who turns in mercy and grace unto us, and if he says unto us, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, then we will enter into that kingdom of which there is no end. That city with floor like gold, like clear glass. That city in which there is no sun or moon and no need of a temple, for Christ is the temple therein. That place in which a great multitude are gathered around the throne of God, praising him forevermore. That place in which God's people are clothed in pure linen, They are righteous within and without because Christ hung in their place. And the sin that they committed, he bore. The sin that they are, he was made to be. The wrath and the judgment that they deserved, he drank it up. The condemnation that should have come down upon them, He bore the flaming sword of justice which turns every which way was thrust into him and not them. And the blood that he shed which cleanses from all sin was poured over them from head to foot inside and outside and blotted out every transgression every sin all iniquity In him they were made to be the very righteousness of God. They enter into a glorious kingdom, as it were covered with gold inside and out. They see the cherubims, they see the palm trees, they see the open flowers of the paradise. And it's paradise because there in the midst is the Lamb of God who loved them and gave himself for them. Is that where you're headed? Is this your saviour? As he said unto you, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Did he love you and give himself for you? Amen.